Guardian angels and patron saints, pray for us. Well, even though it's just a national holiday and not a Christian holiday, nonetheless, I think it's good to recognize and celebrate the gift of fatherhood. So I want to wish a happy Father's Day to all of our fathers here present and those who were not able to be with us here today. And of course, to offer some encouragement to those soon-to-be fathers or who perhaps one day will be, I think it's an important chance each year on this holiday to reflect a little bit about what fatherhood actually is, what it means, what it entails, what it means to be a father. I'm guessing there aren't too many of us probably that could nail down exactly what a father is in its purest essence. Of course, just pointing out the biological relationship isn't really sufficient, right? Fatherhood is something more than simply the result of what happens in the course of sexual relationship, right? Giving rise to procreation. Anyone of a certain age, any male of a certain age, become a a father in that sense. That's not what we're talking about when we ask what a father is. What is it in its fullness? What is fatherhood in its perfection? You might begin by saying, whatever fatherhood is, it's not motherhood. Something entirely different. Sometimes unfashionable to say that point but for that reason, perhaps all the more important. To insist that men and women are equal and that, therefore, mothers and fathers are equal is perfectly sane, perfectly healthy, a good thing to point that out and insist on that truth. And much good has been done as a result in advancing the cause of human dignity and justice between the sexes as a result of that truth. But then, to go on to say, as many do, that because mothers and fathers are equal, they are therefore interchangeable. That is the opposite of sane. That is the opposite of healthy. That is insane. That is unhealthy. One might try to marshal some evidence in favor of the claim that, in fact, There is no difference between mothers and fatherhoods by quoting today's second reading. Interestingly enough, St. Paul in there claims that in Christ, not only is there no slave or free Jew or Gentile, but in Christ there is neither male nor female. But to read St. Paul as meaning somehow our created differences were obliterated by our faith in Christ, that would be to misread him profoundly. To imply that sexual difference is somehow the result of sin, and that because Christ has come to undo sin, he has therefore undone the real difference between men and women, would be to say that Christ has come to undo the work of the Creator, who made us male and female. But Christ does not undo the work of the Creator. He perfects it. Pointing out the insanity of making equivalent or interchangeable mothers and fathers doesn't necessarily help us identify what exactly that difference is, however, beyond the obvious things that anyone could point to. Perhaps to take another stab at the question, fatherhood 
is a certain fulfillment or perfection of masculinity. That is to say, what it means to be a man, the essence of maleness, is the potential to become a father. This is a gift from the Creator, and also a task, a calling. That is to say, it doesn't just happen. Speaking in very general terms, human beings, male and female, were created in dominion over the world, responsible stewardship over it. But they each have a different way of going about that responsibility. Man, in his body and soul, was originally created to fight and to conquer. This is his God-given vocation. Man conquers the world by understanding it, by possessing it and enjoying it, and then adding to it by his own creative activity. So too, woman is created in mastery over the world. But her body and soul are not made so much to fight and to conquer than to guard and preserve and cherish. Woman's knowledge and enjoyment and creativity is colored by a deeper perceptiveness of the goodness of creatures right, and of their wholeness and integrity, perceiving them not in their distinct parts but in their integrity and wholeness. But because of original sin, because of the fall, and what I've been speaking about up to this point is how God originally created us, because of the fall, each of those identities has been twisted and and broken in some sense. We each, in our own way, pervert the task of understanding, enjoying, and creating men and women in our own different ways. And maybe the way to see this most clearly is in the relationship between the sexes themselves, the relationships between men and women in this fallen world. Here I quote Pope St. John Paul II, who reflected extensively on these questions. The rupture between man and woman resulted in a tendency for a man to dominate a woman and for a woman to cling to a man out of a desire to possess him. It's the task of every woman and man, the Pope goes on, in succeeding generations, to work to overcome this inheritance of original sin, this brokenness, by joining with the redemptive action of Christ. Because in Christ, the mutual opposition between man and woman is essentially overcome. I'll say that again. In Christ, the mutual opposition between man and woman is essentially overcome. This is the task of men and women of every age, to overcome that inheritance of original sin and to do so through the grace and power of Christ and the salvation he offers us. And here, I believe, we find the deepest key, the the most clear and distinct quality of the essence of fatherhood. Because in this view, a man who has committed himself to generating and fostering not just life, but the fullness of masculinity and femininity of those entrusted to him. This is a father. This is a kind of fight. It is a kind of struggle. Because it requires the most important conquest of all. Not the conquest of the world, but the conquest of oneself. And the instinct to free myself 
from every threat to my freedom. Commitment is what I'm talking about here. The struggle to remain faithful to a commitment is a kind of victory, a fight that every man is called to. Commitment is a kind of entrapment of myself, isn't it? I make an appointment with myself at some point in the future. In this sense, to make a commitment is to bar the doors on my own escape, to foresaw the possibility that I will flee and make it impossible. Marriage, much like friendships, much like our families, much like the vocations to priesthood and religious life, is a kind of bondage. And we always have this wish to escape, to be free. But we can only escape into loneliness and meaninglessness. In this sense, a father is one who has successfully barred the exit. So, in so doing, he guards not only against those things which come in to threaten those he loves, those who have been entrusted to him, but to protect them against his own fallenness as well. In barring the exit, the father says to himself and to everyone else that has been entrusted to him, I'm locked in. I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. Men and women have to put a kind of fence around themselves so that the seeds of these relationships will have the protection and the space that they need to grow. In a negative sense, yes, this is a kind of self-imprisonment. But this is at the service of something positive and good. It's at the service of those things that they hope for, which are too good and often too unexpected to be entrusted to my fleeting and passing feelings that incline me for or against faithfulness or fidelity. I'm going to leave you today with a passage which serves as a kind of commentary on those final words of our gospel reading today. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It's as fine a commentary as, as I could ever write, perhaps more, far more so. I won't tell you who did write it. That's, in a sense, not important as long as you know that it wasn't me. Most fathers-to-be suppose that their old self-centered lives will continue more or less unabated after their child arrives. With the exception of maybe a few more obstacles and demands on their time, they envision their involvement with their children as something manageable and maybe marginal on the edges of their life. They don't really allow it to enter into their mind anything like the abrupt end to their former life that fatherhood will be. Then the onslaught begins. And a man begins to realize that these people, his wife and his children, are literally and perhaps even intentionally killing his old self. All around him, everything is changing without any signs of going back to the way they used to be. Into the indefinite future, nearly every hour of his days threatens to be filled with activities that as a single person or even as a childless husband, he never would have chosen. Due to the continual interruptions of sleep, he was he is permanently fatigued. Due to long-term financial concerns, he's cautious in how he spends his money, forsaking his old habits of consumption and personal indulgences. He finds his wife equally exhausted and preoccupied with the children. 
Connections with his former friends start to slip away. Traveling with his children is like traveling third class in Bulgaria. The changes go on and on. In short, he discovers in a terrifying moment of awareness, real love is a harsh and fearful reality compared with love and dreams. Fatherhood is not what he bargained for. Yet, through the exhaustion, the financial stress, the screaming, and the general chaos, there enters in at times, mysteriously and unexpectedly, deep contentment and gratitude. It's not the pleasure or amusement of high school or college, but rather the pleasure of honor and the nobility of sacrifice and commitment like that felt by a soldier. What happens to his children now happens to him. His life, though a whirlwind of trivial concerns of children, now, in a strange way, is more serious than it ever was before. Everything he does, from bringing home a paycheck to painting a bedroom, has a new goal and therefore a greater significance. The joys and sorrows of his children are now his joys and sorrows. The stakes of his life have been raised. And if he is faithful to his calling, he may come to find that against nearly all prior expectations, he never wants to return to the way things used to be. So, happy Father's Day to the fathers among us and to those yet to come. Bar the exits. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.